0: Okay. Well, God bless you, and our service is done in six minutes. So I'm going to have to talk fast, and you're gonna to have to listen fast. <laughs> I want to just quickly share with you. I'll try to be. Uh, I'll try not to keep you past one. Nobody laughed. I'll try not to keep you past. Uh, well, let's say fifteen minutes. How's that? Twenty minutes. 25? Do I hear 30? 35, 40? <laughs> we begin a, a new series today called On Guard. And we talked this morning to you about guarding your heart. Next week I want to talk to you about guarding your relationships. And the week after that I want to talk to you about guarding your time. A minister was asked to inform a man with a heart condition that he just inherited a million dollars. And everyone was afraid that the shock would give him a heart attack. So the minister went to the man's house and said, Joe, what would you do if you inherited a million dollars? He just wanted to break the news to him gently, you know, not to overwhelm him or anything. And Joe said, well, pastor, I think I'd give half of it to the church. At which the pastor fell over dead from a heart attack. (laughs) Guard your heart. King Solomon is called the wisest man that ever lived. He wrote what we call some of the wisdom literature in the scriptures, the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And as you read the Proverbs, you, you recognize that indeed a wise man came up with these, with these Proverbs. As you read the Song of Solomon, you, You recognize that here is a man who understood love deeply. And as you read Ecclesiastes, you discover that here is a man who had become jaded by life. What happened to King Solomon the Wise? King Solomon the Wise invited wives from other countries with other religions to be part of his life. And the Bible tells us that these wives brought their religions and corrupted the heart of Solomon. And so the man who preached wonderful sermons didn't practice what he preached. He understood what was the best way to live, but he didn't live that way. We read in Proverbs chapter 4 some wonderful Proverbs about how to live a life that keeps you pure and keeps you on track spiritually. And as you come to the end of that chapter, you come across a verse, Proverbs four 23. I'd like us to read that verse together. Let's read it together. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs four 23. Let's read it one more time. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. There's been a lot of people who've come on the scene over the years that talk about having a positive attitude, about not being negative, about, uh, being, uh, making right choices in your life. And they try to, or suggest some formulas that would help you be positive and, and make right choices and to have a good attitude. But the problem is, is that, that, uh, Usually something, something doesn't work out right. For instance, anybody, everybody has heard of Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins. He's the, he's probably the foremost guru on self-help, positive thinking, uh, having a good attitude, making right choices in life. The only thing is, is that just a few years ago, uh, his marriage ended in divorce and he's been remarried. So obviously something didn't work right here. I want to give to you today not man-made ideas, not man-made wisdom. I want to give you the wisdom of the scripture. Proverbs 4:23 tells us, above all else, guard your heart, above all else. Now it's interesting, we spend large sums of money on protecting our our uh, our assets. Some of us have home security systems, we have insurance, um uh, we spend great great amounts of money on insurance, trying to protect our assets, protect what we have. The government spends great deals of money on defense. I heard recently that that uh, the u s is spending twelve billion dollars a month on defending itself against terrorism, twelve billion a month. But God tells us that there's something even more important to guard something more important than our family, something more important than our government, something more important than our country. My friends, God tells us to guard our hearts. In fact, Solomon says, above all else, do this thing. It should be top priority. It should be your first priority. More important than eating. More important than brushing your teeth. More more important than, than showering or bathing. More important than going to school and getting an education. More important than your job. More important than your family. More important than your spouse. More important than your physical well-being or your physical safety is your heart. Shield your heart. Above all else, make this your top priority. Scott, if you could change the next slide. The question is this, is how do we shield our heart? Well, we look at David, King David. The scripture calls him a man after God's own heart. This was God's description of him, a man after God's own heart. Here's a man who had every reason to allow his heart to become bitter and angry. He was, after all, appointed by God to become the next king of Israel. He was, after all, told that he was going to be the one who would lead Israel after King Saul, he could have become bitter when Saul began to attack him and try to hunt him down and kill him. He could have said, God, I thought you were on my side. God, I thought you had a job for me to do. God, I, I thought that I, thought I belonged to you. Where's the blessing? Where's the help? Where's the comfort? Where's the strength, God? Where are you? Have you ever asked God that question? Have you ever asked God, what are you doing to me? How could you allow this to happen to me? Well, look what David does so that his heart does not become embittered and angry and hard towards God. In Psalm 16, verses 7 to 8, this is what David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Yes, even in the midst of the most difficult struggles that you're facing right now, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. David goes on to say, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. My friends, the way that David kept his heart and guarded his heart was making sure that he had a relationship with God that began first thing in the morning. It went through the course of the day and ended at the end of the day in relationship to God. Even at night, David says, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I wonder today how many of us have allowed our hearts to become cold, have allowed our hearts to become embittered, have allowed bitterness to well up within us so that we, we don't even know what it means anymore to experience and know the joy of the Lord. My friends, you need to do what David did and make sure that, above all else, you guard your heart by maintaining a relationship with God. You allow your relationship with God to deteriorate, deteriorate and that's the beginning of the deterioration of your own heart. Above all else, God's your heart. Has anybody heard of Daniel in the lion's den? Have you heard of Daniel? Of course you have. It's one of the, one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. Daniel was instructed was the law of the land that nobody would pray to anyone except Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And Daniel, after hearing the news, went right home, opened up his windows towards Jerusalem, and began to pray to the Lord. And the Bible says that he prayed three times a day. Daniel 6.10b. Three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. You see, Daniel understood that more dangerous than lions more dangerous than the soldiers of Nebuchadnezzar, more dangerous than experiencing the rebuke of this foreign power. More, more important was the guarding of his own heart. My friends, let Daniel set for you an example. Let Daniel set for you an example of, One who understands the importance importance of having a relationship with God. That's how you guard your heart. For some of you, it's been a long time since you prayed. It's been a long time since you read your Bible. It's been a long time since you experienced the the excitement and the thrill of the Christian life. My friends, whatever you do, get it back. Because it's the most important thing you're ever going to do more important than your marriage, more important than your children, more important than your own physical safety, more important than eating, is the condition of your heart. Listen to this, my friends. The condition of your heart will determine the quality of your life. Can I say that again? The condition of your heart will determine the quality of your life. The condition of your heart will will determine the condition of your life. So you need to guard your heart. This is why the Apostle Paul Perhaps nobody prayed as much as Paul did. First 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul instructs the Thessalonians to pray continually. The condition of your heart determines the quality of your life. Solomon goes on to say this, guard your heart. Now, what should we guard our hearts against? Well, the first thing I would suggest is that you guard your heart against gossip. Yiddish folklore offers a telling tale about, a, about gossip makers. One such man had told so many malicious untruths about the local rabbi that over, that overcome by remorse, he begged the rabbi to forgive him for all his gossiping and all his rumor mongering. And the rabbi, uh, rabbi suggested that he make amends. The man asked, how could I make amends? And the rabbi said, take two pillows, go to the public square, and there cut the pillows open. Wave them in the air, then come back. And the rumor monger quickly went home, got two pillows and a knife, hastened to the, to the square, town square, cut the pillows open with the knives, let the, let the feathers fly, went back to the rabbi, said, Rabbi, I've done exactly as you told me to do. The rabbi said, good, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to the square and gather up each and every feather. The man said, that's impossible. And the rabbi said, that's exactly what gossip does. It can't be taken back. My friends, we are quick. We're quick to point out the the obvious sins of others. But there's a sin that is oftentimes ignored and even passed over. It's the sin of gossip. And the Bible tells us very clearly, the people who gossip will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that? That's something you don't hear very often, is it? No gossip will ever make it into the kingdom of heaven. You may not commit adultery. You might not commit fornication. You may not be a a drunkard. But if you're gossip, you're in the same category, my friends. The Bible's clear. God does not allow People who gossip into his kingdom. If you're a gossiper today, then you have opened your heart up to a vile sin. And you need to ask God to forgive you. And you need to repent of this evil. Ask God to forgive you. Cleanse your heart. And if there are people in your life who are gossiping and telling you things you shouldn't be hearing, then you need to tell them, I don't want to hear about it. Because the minute you listen, you become party to that gossip. If someone says to you, I hope you won't mind me telling you this, it's pretty certain that you will. I used to visit an older, older lady. She's gone on now to be with the Lord. But she'd begin a little story by saying, I shouldn't say this, but. And then she would go on to say it. I said to her one day, do you think that if you shouldn't say it, that maybe you shouldn't say it? She got offended by that, but later thanked me. One of the best ways to end a rumor or gossip is to ask if you may quote the individual passing it along. And if the person says no, it's possible that the rumor is just idle talk. My friends, guard your heart against gossip. Guard your heart against grudges. Someone once said that holding a grudge is like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. Are you holding a grudge? Are you angry at somebody today? Is there somebody that you... you If you could just... If you just... You need to let it go. Because my Bible tells me clearly that holding a grudge puts an end to a relationship with God. Are you angry at someone today? Are you bitter towards somebody today? I'm going to tell you something, my friend. You can't hold on to a grudge and hold on to God at the same time. It doesn't work. You've got to hold on to God or hold on to the grudge. And I would suggest to you today that it's time for you to let it go. It's time for you to ask for forgiveness. It's time for you to forgive. Let it go. Greed. Oh, here's something that we all struggle with. Greed. Men who trap animals in Africa for zoos in North America say that one of the hardest animals to catch is the ring-tailed monkey. But they discovered how to do it. They went to the Zulus of South Africa and discovered that these little ring-tailed Monkeys are extremely greedy. And what the Zulus would do is hollow out a melon and then, and then make a little hole in it just big enough for that little monkey to get his paw through. And inside that melon would be his favorite seeds and food. And what would happen is that monkey would stick his hand through that hole, grab a hold of the, of the delectable little treats inside that hollowed out melon and hold it in his grip. And you know what? That monkey would not let go so as to pull his hand back out or his paw, whatever you call it. And so there is a monkey walking around, holding on to its treat with a melon on its hand. It can't eat the treat and it can't run away from its captors. And that, my friends, is how you catch a ring-tailed monkey through greed. I want to tell you something. That's exactly how Satan captures the hearts of Christians. You grab a hold of that thing, you don't let it go, and Satan's got you. My friend, it's time for you to let, let go. Let go of whatever it is that you're feeling greedy about. Maybe it's your money. You know in your heart you need to help those in need. Let go. And watch your heart become pure once again. James Patterson and Peter Kim wrote a book called The Day America Told the Truth in 1991. They asked Americans, what are you willing to do for $10 million dollars? Now, remember, America is supposed to be 75% Christian. Two-thirds of Americans polled, that's what? 66.6%. Two-thirds of Americans polled would agree to at least one of the following. Ready? For $10 million, 25% of these people would abandon their entire family. That's greed. They'd give up their whole family. 25% would abandon their church. would become prostitutes for a week. 16% would give up American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouses. 10% would would, would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. 7% would kill a stranger. And 3% would put their children up for adoption for $10 million. My friends, this is the condition of North America. This is the condition of the human heart. My friends, if you have greed in your heart today, let it go because it's destroying your heart and it's destroying your relationship to God and it's destroying your quality of life. The condition of your heart determines the condition of your life. The fourth thing I want to point out to you this morning is you need to let go of the garbage in your life. Your Pentecostals used to be very careful about what they ingested. They'd been very careful what they took part in. I remember my grandmother... Talking about the things that Pentecostals ought not to do. No makeup, no alcohol, no movies. A lot of things that Pentecostals didn't do at one time. This is a Pentecostal church, by the way, in case you're wondering. Because we're not like the old Pentecostals. But you see, we got really smart. We say anything goes now, just love Jesus. I'm going, to, I'm going to just say something. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to address this to any great extent, but I'm going to point this out to you. It's that the Pentecostals of my grandparents' generation were a generation of soul winners, were a generation of people who were coming to the Lord in their hundreds and thousands. We sent out missionaries People with nothing in their pockets said, God called me to go to Africa. They would go to Africa with nothing in their pockets and God would provide for them and meet their needs. And today we won't send out a missionary until that missionary has raised a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars before he even goes anywhere because we don't trust God the way we used to. This past week I learned something that shook me to the very core of my being. A young man struggling with addictions called his pastor to get counsel, and his pastor took him out for a beer to counsel him. This is a man struggling with addictions, with alcohol and other addictions, and the pastor took him out for a beer. Now, I know that there are some pastors that drink alcohol, and I know that there's some pastors that don't have a problem with it, but it was sure shocking to find out that this pastor was one of our own Pentecostal pastors. My friends... 2009 is going to be the year where we guard our hearts, where we are on guard and choose to follow God wholeheartedly. That's what you're going to hear from this pulpit. There'll be no no uh, holding back because we are in trouble. We are in serious trouble. We cannot tell the difference between a, a believer and an unbeliever. My friends, it's time for us to stop and consider, seriously consider how we're living our lives. You've heard the expression, garbage in. Can I say it again? Garbage in. You know what I'm talking about. That's why Solomon says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. The condition of your heart will determine your quality of life. The condition of your heart will, con- will determine the condition of your life. That's why you need to guard your heart as your number one priority. Whatever is in your heart will determine what your life will be like. So you show me somebody who's unhappy, and I'll show you somebody whose heart is not right with God. Show me somebody who's struggling in their marriage and their family, and I'll show you somebody whose heart is not right with God. You show me somebody who's doing poorly at work, I'll show you somebody whose heart's not right with God. Christopher Gardner wrote in his autobiography entitled The Pursuit of Happiness. Hollywood turned it into a movie. Christopher Gardner is a Methodist who in his early years struggled something terrible. His life was marked by poverty, domestic violence, alcoholism, sexual abuse as a child. He got married, had a little boy, His wife left him. So there it was, just he and his son. He was evicted from his apartment, went into cheaper lodgings. He was evicted from there. Finally, he was homeless and was finally given an opportunity to possibly join a firm that, a brokerage firm. There was a whole, some 20 20 applicants that wanted the, the one position. And for a number of months, these 20 people were given the opportunity to work at this company, this brokerage firm, and only one would be chosen. This man, Christopher Gardner, recognizing that this might be his only chance, went in with a good attitude. And every time one of the teachers asked... Him to get a coffee. He was the first one to run and get them a coffee. Go park his car. Lend him five bucks. He had no money in his pocket. He had five dollars with a little boy sleeping in a in a homeless shelter. And one of the, his instructors asked to borrow five dollars so he could pay for a cab fare. And happily, Christopher Gardner did that. You know what we see in Christopher Gardner's life? A man who never tries to get even. A man who never... Let's his heart grow hard by becoming stingy. A man who never resents his wife or get, tries to get even with her. A man who never gets angry at his son. A man who always helps out wherever there's need. A man whose heart remains soft. And my friends, Christopher Gardner, a Negro, as he was called in the 1980s, the only, one in the, the only one in his class was given the position. And the question is, why did he get the job? When there, were, when there were 19 other far more sophisticated and far more able men applying for that position, the reason he got the job is because his heart remained soft. He protected his heart against resentment, bitterness, anger. He remained open. Christopher Gardner today is worth 65 million dollars and is now giving his life to serving others. He could have become could have become greedy because of what he'd been through, but he chose rather to give his life to others. My friends, above all else guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The condition of your heart will condi- will determine the condition of your life. Mark 7, 21, 22, Jesus points out to us that the battle that we're facing is a battle that every human being faces. It's a battle within your own heart. Jesus says that for for from within out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. It, it's it's the potential of every human being sitting here today to practice every one of those things. This is is the battle that every human faces. And this is why it's so important that above all else, you guard your heart because you have the potential to practice any one of these evils. Yes, that person sitting in front of you, beside you, behind you, has got the potential to practice any one of these evils. So I want to ask you the question today, what threatens your heart? You know what threatens your heart. Because even as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on your heart and you know in your heart that area that needs to be surrendered to God. A man was being tailgated by a stressed-out woman on a busy boulevard, and suddenly the the light turned yellow just in front of him. He did the right thing, stopping at the crosswalk, even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. And the tailgating woman hit the roof and and the horn and screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to get through the intersection with him. As she was still in mid-ranch, she heard a tap on her window and looked up into the face of a very serious police officer. The officer ordered her to exit her car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a cell. After a couple of hours, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk where the resting officer was waiting with her personal effects. He said, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry for the mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn, giving the guy the finger in front of you, and cussing a blue streak at him. And then I noticed the Choose Life license plate holder, the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker, the Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker, and the chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally, I assumed that you'd stolen the car. My friends, what's the condition of your heart today? What's the condition of your heart? You want to have a good life? You want to have a good year? Then, above all else, guard your heart. It better be your number one priority. And if it is, if you're guarding your heart morning, noon, and night, you will guard your heart against those things that threaten you constantly. They'll threaten you to pull you down. Remember that out of your heart is the wellspring of life. Either your life is going to be miserable or it's going to be great. It depends on you, on what you're going to do with your heart. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for meeting with us so powerfully, so mightily. And as we go into 2009, God, we want to have a great life and a great year ahead of us. And we we want to just surrender to you our hearts today. We ask God that if there's any greed, that you would root that out, that you'd help us to let go of those things that that bind us. If there's any grudges in our hearts, we want to let them go today and love those people who have offended us or hurt us. God, if there's garbage that we've been ingesting through the internet, television, movies that are, are unacceptable to you, God, that we would confess our sin and change the way that we live. God, if we're damaging our hearts because of what we're letting in, God, we pray that you would help us to see that we're only hurting ourselves. God, we pray that you be glorified in our lives this year. Help us, we pray, to guard our hearts to bring glory to your name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.